Welcome to the Human Predator Pack Mule Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Baumgartner. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, I'm a writer, and I'm an outdoors person just like you. And I created this show to help you be more successful in the outdoors, both by training your body to handle the rigors of each hunt and to do it over the long haul, and to introduce you to some great guests they are going to teach you some skills and tell you some great stories. Again, I'm Todd Baumgartner, and this is the Human Predator Pack Mule Podcast. Folks, we're down to the wire. Hunting season's almost here. Right now, as I'm recording this, it is late June. That means, geez, we got like five weeks till August, six weeks till a lot of hunting seasons kick off, and then you're looking at September for your elk and throughout the fall. The main point is we still have time to be ready to ship off and go and be physically prepared for hunts so that we're confident out in the mountains, knowing that you can walk for as many miles that you need to. If you feel like you got a big pack out coming, you can take care of that and you can just be ready for whatever is thrown at you. And I want to help you do that. And to do that, I'm giving you two free weeks of training with me. That's going to get you an assessment, an individualized program. The program is going to be delivered over an app and it's going to take you exactly from where you need to be, where you are right now, excuse me, to where you need to be. And I'm going to be there with regular check-ins and coaching weekly to make sure that you're on track and you're getting what you need. To claim your two free weeks, all you have to do is shoot me an email at humanpredatorpackmule at gmail.com. That's one word, humanpredatorpackmule at gmail.com. All right, let's get to the show. Matt comments awesome. You're going to love this guy. Okay, guys, what's up? It's Todd, and I'm here with... uh... My good buddy Matt Comment, we're actually at uh, in one of the offices at my gym right now, uh, recording. So uh, I, I wanted to have Matt on early in the series, you know, early in the podcast series, because um, Matt has been like integral in in shaping me as as a hunter and helping me as a shooter and creating opportunities for me. And, and Matt's a great hunter, and he has a great story and. Well, he's done a lot of hunting. I've said hunting like fourteen times right there. So that's fifteen. There's 15. Uh, so I, I had to have him on. Um, but anyway, Matt is a, a good dude, and he's one of my best friends, and I appreciate him a lot. So, Matt, thanks for chatting with me, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Todd. Yeah. Um, I don't want this to be like some stiff, like, we're having a podcast conversation, so let's not do that. Anyway, um, Matt, let's tell everybody a little bit about your story. I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about, you know, you just coming, like, as a hunter. Um some of the stuff that you've done, I want to talk about some of the training that's worked for you, some that hasn't. Uh, and I know you, I mean, it, a lot of folks know that you went through an injury and you're coming back from that. And I want to get through some of that stuff. And if we have time, I want to talk a little bit about when you went to G, to, G, uh, to Tajikistan. But if we don't get to that today, we'll get it in another one. But take it away, Matt. Um, you know, I'm a Pennsylvania boy like yourself. Started at uh, deer camps where I didn't see any deer at 12 years old, and you were hunting for the uh, the infamous spike buck. Um, you could kill spike bucks then? Yeah, back then. That was the only thing that existed. You're old. Um, so, uh, and that kind of evolved in a weird way. Um, you know, just hunted in Pennsylvania and then moved here to Virginia for work. And a buddy of mine that I went to college with, um, we kind of got a wild, wild hair up our ass one day and said, hey, we're going to go to Montana. Went to Montana, um, hunted elk, didn't get one, 
had the time of our lives and just through a bunch of good contacts and exploring the hunting industry, I've been able to hunt kind of all over North America. Been to Canada, Canada multiple times, Alaska, um, and now overseas to Tajikistan. Um, so, which was probably one of my favorite experiences that I had so far. Let's just talk about it. You just brought it up, so let's just talk about it. So, talk about. That's a cool story. I mean, I wanna. I don't want to influence about what parts I want you to talk about, but like. Kind of lay it out. Lay out what happened, where you went, what you did, what you were hunting, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was fortunate. I got the opportunity to go hunt um, mid-Asian ibex with a buddy of mine, Adam Yonke, with the Journal of Mountain Hunting. Um, kind of the opportunity came up, and it was a little difficult convincing you know the home life um, mm. that it was going to be safe and everything was going to be okay. Um, but we made it happen. Um, we flew into Dushanbe, which is the capital of Tajikistan. Um, you know, we hunted through... Um, Canadian Mountain Out or Asian Mountain Outfitters, which is Brian Martin, Canadian Mountain Outfitters with his old, old company, and I've known Brian for a lot of years. But you know, flew into Dushanbe through um, Istanbul, which is a really, really long flight. But um, how many hours is it? Twelve hours from from here from Dallas to Istanbul, Istanbul, and then another five from Istanbul to Dushanbe. Jeez. And then we drove for about twenty four hours from the. Um, so the western part of the country to the eastern part of the country. So you drove across the whole thing? Yeah, pretty much to China. That's crazy, man. Um, and hunted a camp that's really never been hunted before. Um, and traditionally, when you go, most guys go over there, they use Jeeps. And then they're looking for Marco Polo sheep, which is, um, it's a big deal. It's one of the biggest star dollars that there is. So, uh, But we backpack hunted it. We used some yaks, um, hunted with traditional hunters. I mean, we stayed stayed with local people. I mean, the cultural experience was awesome. The hunting's awesome. I mean, I'm a rifle hunter by heart. So, and I like to shoot, um, a little bit longer distances. And the reason that I enjoy hunting over there so much is there's no brush. There's nothing to get your pack caught on your, your gun caught on. You don't have to bushwhack. You got to cross some rivers, but it's not a big deal, but it's, it's beautiful landscape and it lends itself to some longer range shooting, um, which gives you the opportunity to look over a bunch of different animals. Um, it's just really the hunting style that I like the most. Um, it looks like the moon, watching that video that... Yeah, it's basically hunting on the moon. I mean, there, there's a little bit of a, a danger aspect to it. I mean, for about 10 hours, you drive along the border of Afghanistan, which is probably 100 yards away across the river. So Neat. Got to see some local people <laughs> over there. Um, stayed at a hostel on the way back in a town called... Um, man, what was the town called? I want to say La Paz, but that's in... That's where I stayed in Baja, but it's something similar to that, but not Spanish, but in Tajikistan. Okay. Um, but talked to this guy that was part of the Tajik Republic when they fought the Russians and was telling us how they were bringing arms across the river into the parking lot that we stayed in to fight the Russians, and the Taliban was supplying them with AK-47s and opiates, and then they found out that I was from, <laughs> they asked where we were from, and Canada, the two, Canada. The two other guys I were, were from Canada, and um, and he got real excited, and he was like, oh, hockey, hockey, and then he asked our interpreter where I was from, and uh, he said United States, and all he looked at me like really pissed off and just said, Donald Trump. Oh, really? And I was like, Saku, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> seriously, you can't tell them that I'm from Canada, Canada too? man. 
Let's make so, this easy. yeah, um, that night I slept with the 300 Win Mag underneath the sheets. Fair enough. Um, but anyways, awesome experience. Uh, I would go back in a heartbeat. Um, and if anybody's got an adventurous soul and likes to hunt, Central Asia is where it's at. Well, you got an Ibex there, too. Yeah, killed a nice billy. Um, yeah. You know, 40-inch uh, Ibex, which is really good for Tajikistan. Um, typically, like, you're looking for, a, like, a really big Ibex is, like, a really good one's like, 45 most of the time, you're going to find those over in Kyrgyzstan um, and Kazakhstan. The, uh, the Tajik ones are a little bit smaller. They live at, live at higher elevation. I mean, we shot the billy at um, like 15.5. Jesus. So the higher you go, the harsher it is, um, you know, and less brush, less feed. Uh, but it's it's just an awesome, awesome experience. We did find a 48-inch deadhead on the way out, which was cool. And where we were at, um, they were known to have some bigger billies there, but you know, trying to do the backpack hunt at that point in time. And there was two of us shooting at the same time. We found a group of really good mature animals. So just seize the opportunity. And there's a film on it if you guys want to go out and take a look at it. Um, it's called East of the Sun. It's on General Mountain Hunting website. So it's pretty cool. Mr. Loophole, right? Uh, Loophole was part of it. Loophole, yeah. uh, Mr. Ranch, Gunworks. Bunch of different. Yeah. How did you get ready for that hunt? What did you do? Um, and be honest, Matthew. Comment. Me? Yeah, you be honest about what what ha how did it go? What did you what? Let's just do this. What do you think went well when you got ready to go over there? Because obviously it's like it's pretty extreme. Like you, we live at I think four hundred feet above sea level, maybe seven hundred somewhere in there. Yeah. You might live at a little bit higher elevation than I do. To go up to fifteen five and hunt. So I mean, there's only so much you can do about the elevation, but. You know, prepping for that. Some of the things that went well, maybe some of the mistakes, too. I mean, personally, what I should have done is backed off. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and the reason I say that is I was already coming into the hunt um, with some herniated discs. So I had some complications from that. Um, so you knew that before you went? Oh, yeah, for like two years. Okay. I, I've been dealing for, with it for about two years. Um, and I, I'd done a lot of hunting. I've pushed myself beyond what I ever thought I could do. Um, you know, and this was kind of a big deal. It was the first time that I was ever going to get to be on film and I didn't want to let my friends down. So I pushed myself so hard that, you know, it made my injury worse. Okay. Um, and that's just the way I was raised. I mean, same as you, you know, you don't, you don't let your friends down. Sure. Um, and that came at a, that came at a price. Okay. Well, all right, so let's talk about this because I think it's easy to say, well, I pushed myself too hard, but I don't think a lot of people, or a lot of guys get that context of like, okay, so what did you do that was too much that, you know, because, you know, this could be anybody, like we all have, you know, we've all had bumps and bruises and injuries and things that can get exacerbated by training too hard or doing just training out of sequence or with any kind of level of disorganization. So what are the things that you think you did that were the mistakes? Um... I think not tempoing my workouts correctly, okay. not managing my injury correctly. Like I've always been, you know, my personality is like napalm. Um, and that's just kind you of stick the, to skin and burn people. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. Um, so, it, you know, everything with me is a path of destruction. So an aggression is what has made me successful. Um, and it also is what hurt me. And I continued that, like, oh, I could just work through the pain. I can just ignore the pain. I can just ignore the pain. And I couldn't ignore the pain. I could only ignore the pain so long. And the complications from the pain 
and trying to train through the pain of what it did to me posturally made that worse. Um, when, so, you, when you say you didn't tempo your workouts properly, what do you mean by that? I mean, my intensity, I've always trained with as much intensity as I possibly could. All the time. All the time. And learning from you, obviously, that's not the right way. Sure. It, I mean, sure. I mean, that's... I guess basically what it comes down to is I didn't understand the fact that training is a stressor on your body. Okay. So we live in a fast-paced environment. I have a very stressful job. Um, my wife and I both work. We're trying to raise a son. So, like, everything in my life was stress. And then I got injured, which was another stress. And then I was training, you know, at a level 10 all the time, which was just another stress on my body. So, And I, I lost the time to recover. I lost the time to, um, you know, do the things I needed to do to make sure I was ready for the next day. Cause I just didn't have time to do it anymore. Sure. I made, so instead of training probably six days a week, if I would have backed it off and trained four days a week, I probably would have been much better off. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I think that's one concept that we can, we can touch on is that like, you have to you have to waive your training demands, even if you. Uh, there's two things that I that I've been trying, especially like with the human predator pack mule clients that have come on so far. Is the two things like we have to waive our training demands, and you need way less than you think you do. I think those are two things. That's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned throughout this is, um, you know, because when I first started, there was I didn't know you. Right. There was no training out there for a guy that lived on the east coast that wanted to do adventure hunts. Sure. There wasn't. So, you know, I was going to carry a backpack. So all I did was for a long time was carry really heavy backpacks for years and years and years and didn't do, you know, the things that I should have to, to prepare my body to be able to take that abuse is what I did. Mm -hmm. um, so it just caught up with me over time. And, you know, growing up where we grew up playing sports, like, it was intense. Like you gave it everything you had. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I was taught. Like sure. you work as hard as you possibly can, but there is a price to that. There is. Well, I think you brought up, you brought up, um, the, the, the rucking and the backpack training, which I think is like, and something that you and I've talked about plenty of times where guys just jump in and focus right on that. And then they just go after that super, super hard. And, and maybe they don't have the other things like, Maybe they're not necessarily as strong as they need to be. Maybe they don't have their other parts of their conditioning together. What do you think are some of the things that, that guys need to know about their ruck and their backpack training in general, I guess? Is um, one, you don't have to do as much as you think you do. Um, there's other ways to prepare your body um, to get ready for that hike. And, you know, I, I think you had a, a good quote when you were on the Journal of Mountain Hunting. Like, when you played football, you didn't. Like what I was doing was carrying 80, 90 pound packs all the time, you know, at, at elevation, high heart rate, um, you know, which your only body can only sustain that for a long period of time. And you equated it to, um, you know, playing in pads, practicing in pads and smacking each other as hard as you can every single time. Like there's going to be a toll to it. Yeah. So, I mean, what I would tell people is, yeah, you need to get underneath that pack, but you don't need to do as much as you think you need to do. Um, but you also need to prepare your body structurally to be able to handle that. Like if you look at, you know, some of the number one injuries for guys that operate at a high level in the military is back injuries, mm -hmm. neck injuries, 
it's because they carry, you know, heavy rucks all the time. Every all their deployments, you know, when they go out, they're carrying all their gear, their plates, their packs. I mean, they're loading their body. So what happens? Their back breaks down. Yeah, I've. Well, I mean, in, in working with populations like that, those guys also just well. When you got the guys that I work with, a lot of guys that used to be special ops that work for that are in tactical law enforcement now, and they just they just have that mindset where if they don't have the hammer down all the time, they're not going to be productive. And it's it's a mindset that we've had to change. I, I had the same. Yeah. Same exact thing. I, I think that's the one thing that I think people could garner from this is like if you you have to change that mindset and you have to give yourself time to prepare. I think that's another thing is like. Guys wait till I, I know that's not your case, but like guys wait till summer to be ready for their end of summer and early fall sheep hunts or, or elk hunts or whatever it is that they're doing. And it's like that's not enough time. No, and like you, you know, you've really educated me on the the adaptation period that your body needs to handle the stresses that you're going to put onto it, and also the adaptation that your body needs to be able to recover from those stresses. Right. Yeah, it takes time, man. And that's the thing. The biggest thing is consistency and, and giving yourself enough time. So you said before you left for Tajikistan, you had herniated discs. Mm -hmm. What happened? Where'd you end up? And, and what do you, where are we going now? Um, well, I had, I had a second round of cortisone injections in my neck to get through the hunt in Tajikistan, which those worked great for me for about two weeks. Sure. Um, but I already had a substantial amount of nerve damage um, down the right side of my back when I went over there. Um, so then I came back and I felt okay. And I did what Matt Coleman always does and goes back to the gym and starts lifting weights. You just talked about yourself in the third person. Yeah, I know. Okay, just um, make just, sure you're clear. So, um, you know, went back to the gym and I, I feel good. So I'm going to keep training. And, you know, um, I felt okay. I mean, pain was manageable. And then, you know, right before Christmas of that year, I dislocated my right shoulder playing little tykes basketball with my five-year-old son at that His, time. Here's what happened. His son crossed him up hard <laughs> and broke Matt's ankles and dunked on him, and Matt fell and hurt his shoulder. So, yeah, um, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, I'd lost, um, you know, majority of the musculature and the, the, the right side of my upper back. You know, and I lived in this condition for a, a – a long time for four or five years or so you know that became normal life for me and I lost what it felt like to be bef what I felt like before the injury so anyways um you know dislocated that shoulder um and then kind of everything it was difficult after that I mean my son felt like you know he hurt dad and didn't want to play basketball right. anymore so which really sucked um and then it, it was hard for me to, I couldn't rehab a dislocated shoulder because I didn't have the nerves that ran to the shoulder to make the muscles work. Um, you know, I tried a couple of different therapies and just couldn't, couldn't get comfortable, couldn't get the pain to go away. So then I elected to have surgery, um, you know, almost a year ago in July. Um, you know, and it was really, really hard on my body. I lost just about all the strength that I had, um, you know, and getting through the work day. And that was my main priority was to kind of get back to normal family life and normal work and, um, which has been difficult, um, but most progress I've made is, you know, since you and I have been getting together for this past month, um, you know, you understand, you look at the human body holistically, it's like a really big buzzword today, right? I think people like that word. Okay, holistically. Um, but you looked at me, you know, not as a broken human being, but like, okay, yeah, you had a 
next surgery, but let's look how your shoulders function, let's look at how your hips function, and let's let's put this whole thing back together. And I can say that's one of the, the biggest things that I learned is if, if you do get injured and you go to physical therapy, if that physical therapist isn't looking at your whole entire body and how it functions, and it doesn't look somewhat similar to a gym, get your ass in your truck and run away as fast as possible. Um, because, you know, and, and not nothing against normal physical therapists, but, you know, in my case, it was a little complicated because I have some scoliosis and some other stuff going on. Um, to have an individual look at your body entirely, because what you think might be causing the pain, in reality, probably isn't, unless it's something that's simple and cut and dry, like a knee replacement or whatever. But even at that point, you would probably have to strengthen the opposite side of your body as well. Sure. Um, so that, that would be my, one of my biggest thing advice to people is, you know, if you do get hurt and you do seek advice, if they're just focusing on one thing and they're going through a book of, you know, a, a protocols, a, a protocol or a playbook of exercise that they learn in PT school, run away because that, that actually, I think hurt me because in my, my mentality is I'm going to work as hard as possible to solve a problem. That's what I do. That's what I get paid to do every day. I couldn't solve my own problem, and it drove me crazy. Fair enough. What's up? Um, well, what's on the horizon for you? I mean, obviously, you know, we've been, I mean, we've been hiking and stuff together for a long, a while now, a year and a half, doing all that kind of stuff, and we just started. You just started actually training with me, which is kind of cool. Um, but where's this? I know, I know, the big thing for you is is being a good dad and being a good husband and being there for your family. And of course, that should be priority number one. But so you're getting you're getting yourself back together. You're you're getting stronger. You're moving better. You're putting all these pieces together. What do you want to make sure you do? Besides, I mean, obviously, priorities, family stuff. But like when it comes to your hunting, where do you want to get back to? Um, there's. I'd love to get back to Central Asia. I have a grizzly hunt um, with Lance Cronberger next spring. So that's kind of my. I would say my short-term goal is to get ready for that because um, I've had to move that hunt and Lance has been more than gracious um, to help me out with that. So um, I want to make sure I fulfill that commitment that I do have to him. Um, and it's a hunt that I've been wanting to do for probably 20 years. Um, you know, before I got into the, you know, the sheep and the goats and the mountain stuff, like my one dream was to shoot a grizzly bear. And I've got mm, 32 days um, trying to do that and haven't been successful on it. You've already hunted grizzlies? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, in British Columbia. And it wasn't because I didn't see bears. Um, it just wasn't the right bear. You know, when you're hunting grizzlies, you want to try to take, um, you know, an older male. So saw some young, younger males um, and some females and just, just wasn't the right opportunity. So, you know, um, where Lance has his area is, is probably one of the best. Um, it's cool country, so just want to get back in shape and be excited to be able to do that. Neat. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I think uh, any parting words of wisdom from Matt comment before we shut this down and end this episode. We'll do more together, but I just want to get this one in with you. Um, my words of wisdom would be do your best to find some balance and learn what you can do to manage the stresses that you have in life. Awesome. It's great stuff, Matt. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Todd.